Welcome to episode four of the Stirred Up Pod. It is Thursday, August 19th. Uh, today we're going to touch on college football, possible three league alliance, talk about MLB, NFL news, hard knocks recap, and it's finally playoff season for PGA Tour. All right, college football. Saw this a couple days ago. The Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, possible alliance. It was first reported by Front Office Sports um, this on Monday afternoon. I read the article. It didn't really say much, like, exactly what's happening. Um, you were talking about how it's possibly just going to be how they align schedules and they play each other more often. Um but I, I, I think they should. I mean, with the SEC adding those Oklahoma and Texas juggernaut, those two juggernaut teams in the in 2025, I don't know how you can compete with an SEC with 18 teams in them. And you're going to have a Pac-12, ACC, and Big Ten. It's just going to lose out on a lot of revenue. Yeah, I mean, the whole NCAA is going to lose out on uh, a lot of revenue, which I don't mind the NCAA losing money. But definitely the SEC, I mean, pretty much already a super conference, um, you know, the way they get ranked um, in every sport. But just adding Texas, Oklahoma um, is only going to make that, you know, more of a super conference. And there's talks of Clemson and Florida State, um, you know, joining them right behind them. Um, joining that conference. So that'd be 20 teams if those two join. Yep. It'd be 20. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, if, if that, if, if it's going to come to this where the SEC is just going to pull these, you know, top teams and build this super conference, then absolutely these other conferences have to do something, whether it's, you know, teaming up as a conference or it's just, you know, Hey, we're not going to play the SEC. Let's play each other and, you know, build up our strength of schedule within our three conferences. Yeah, and, like, I was talking to another one of my friends about this, um, and they were just talking about how, yeah, the SEC, is they make a lot of money as a conference because, I mean, everyone watches their games. They're always on prime time. Um, they, I mean, they have their own. I know the ACC has their own network, but the SEC network is just a lot different than the ACC network. But he sent me a, a, a link. It has the past the, – in the past 25 years – the top 10 most watched regular season football games for college football. Half of them are at the SEC, as you expected. The other half, three Ohio State-Michigan games, an Ohio State-Michigan State game, and Notre Dame and Florida State. It's bad that there's not a Pac-12 game on there. At 11 was USC-Notre Dame. Was, I thought I thought they would sneak in for a top ten, but um, it's definitely going to benefit the Pac-12. They need to start playing nationally. They need yeah. to get out of the West Coast, start playing some of those Big Ten schools, get on a national stage. Yeah. Um. Hopefully that'll help recruiting and you know with them getting into the they haven't been in the playoffs since the first year. Uh, uh, Pac-12. Yeah. How many times have they been in the playoff? I know Oregon got in with Mariota. Oregon got in and. Have they been in – or has anybody been in since then? Maybe Washington once? I don't think so. No, Washington hasn't been in. I don't think there's been a Pac-12 team in there. Uh, since the Oregon team, right? Since Oregon. Oregon – I think Oregon's been the only Pac-12 team to get in to play. There's definitely been multiple. I mean, a couple of years where there's two SEC teams or – I mean, if, it seems like every year it's Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma – and then Ohio State is Ohio sometimes State. in Ohio State. So it feels like those four teams are always in it. So that I've, for one, I, it hurts that the SEC grew to 
18 teams, it's going to be difficult for like an Alabama or a, a Georgia to, you know, go undefeated with for sure. 18 teams. But I think that those teams have maybe have some insider information on uh, the college football playoff, you know, expanding to 12 teams or eight teams and with a tougher schedule and more teams than SEC, you can definitely get a lot more of those SEC caliber teams in there every year. Um, but having the peg, the big 10, the Pac-12 and the SEC kind of join, I mean, obviously the SEC and the big 10 have kind of been rivaling, being a rival the last couple of years for the best uh, college football conference. Obviously yeah. the SEC is definitely the top tier conference for everything, but the big 10, I mean, they have Ohio State and Michigan is on here three times as a most watched game. Obviously, those games are going to be – it's one of the greatest rivalries ever in sports. But, I mean, I think I think if the ACC and the Pac-12 can form a, an alliance and schedule partnership with the Big Ten, I think that would help those two conferences more than the Big Ten. It will help the Big Ten, the lower-level schools, like a Wisconsin or a uh, Minnesota or Penn State. But, I mean – Ohio State's going to get in no matter what. It doesn't matter. There's a, they're a top three program in the country. So it will help the Big 12 or the, the Pac-12 and the ACC for sure. And it doesn't even talk about the Big 12. The Big 12 is just now. It's just going to be a lost conference after after 2025, I feel like. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that, that the Big 10 definitely doesn't need uh, the Pac-12 and the ACC, you know, the way they need the Big 10. Yeah. Um, they can definitely, you know, a couple of those Big Ten schools could definitely get in with, you know, undefeated, maybe one lost seasons. Um, yeah. But schools like USC, um, we need we need those schools to get back to, you know, what they were. Yeah. Um, especially for the Pac-12. But I did look it up. Um, Washington did make one appearance in 2017. They they were a four seed, played Bama. Got. It. Demolished. Yeah, I thought no, it was only twenty-four to seven. I can't remember the game, but I I do remember Washington getting in once. You know what? I do remember. Um, I do remember watching that game because that was when Jake Browning was the quarterback for Washington, and Washington was a high-powered offense, and they just could not move the football against Alabama that year. Just couldn't. I mean, how it feels like when most uh, most people can't. <laughs> most people can't. It just feels like the only schools that can, uh, only schools that can move the football against Alabama is if they have a dual threat quarterback. And obviously, Jake Browning was not a dual threat quarterback. Now, does the do you think the Big Twelve just, you know, dismantles, or do you think they're going to add a couple teams? I think like the, the thing, Rebs. yeah, the thing is, is now you're to add those teams, you need to replace that money that Oklahoma and Texas brought to the big 12. You're not going to find that anywhere. And you're not going to find that. So unless you start pulling these other schools from the PAC 12 or uh, the ACC, I mean, you might just have to either fold or you're going to adding who you're going to add UNLV. You're going to add Boise state. You're going to add BYU. It would be smart not to even join a conference. Notre Dame's not going to join a conference. Um, so I think facilities wise, we, UNLV definitely would probably get first dibs on that. I'm not Boise sure. Boise state will probably be the first ones. Cause I just of their program and their, their they history, they don't have baseball, but there's multiple schools that don't have baseball and the power five schools. I mean, the big 10 there's, I think in the big 10, only half the schools have a baseball team. If uh, I'm not mistaken. I know uh, Wisconsin doesn't have one. Uh, I'm almost positive. Maybe Wisconsin might be the only team that doesn't Dude, have one. We kicked the Big Ten's ass when I was at UNLV. Yeah, we played Northwestern. Yeah, they they. I think uh, Wisconsin is the only only team that. Yeah, doesn't I think have Wisconsin one. might be the only team. Um, but there's multiple schools that don't have baseball. But that's not that's not the revenue maker. They're worried about football and basketball. And obviously, you know, UNLV has some facilities. They have a um, some history with the with basketball, obviously, with the runner Rebs. Boise State is kind of decent in basketball, and obviously they're a, a mid-major powerhouse for football. So I think those two schools would probably be the first two off the board. 
I would love to say. Yeah, I would love to. There's a couple other options too, because you got some of those Texas schools that probably would have a shot too, like SMU and Houston. Houston's another one type of school that would get in. So if you you can add those ones and just keep it Texas, Oklahoma, maybe add Boise State and UNLV just to you know keep it. Still a shitty conference. I would rather UNLV stay in the the Mountain West, baby. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think this. uh, I think the Big Twelve might be turning into Big East. The death to the Big East Ooh, back in the day. It. So I can see all those schools leaving, going to join different conferences. I can see some of those Texas schools maybe joining the the Pac-12. Maybe the Pac-12 picks off a couple schools like, you know, TCU or a, uh, a Baylor or Texas Tech. And then obviously Kansas is thinking about going to the Big Ten for basketball purposes, which would be a great pickup for the Big Ten basketball-wise. Um, I think those ads would be great for the Pac-12, dude. Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor, and maybe one other. Yeah, yeah. Pac-16, Pac add four teams. Yeah, that'd be you solid. can add four from Texas, yeah. So, I don't – yeah, it, I think it is the death of the Big East, but we'll see what happens the next couple of years. I mean, it is – got four more years until that happens. So, there's a little drama with the, with the MLB the last couple of days. This morning and last night. You thought there was drama with with the Yankees, um, Luke Voigt. There is drama with the Yankees. Luke Voigt went out and said, uh, "Pretty much, he wants to." I'm finding the quote right now. He de- he definitely didn't understand why they went out and got another first baseman. Yeah, and he pretty much, you know, flat out said that he feels like he should be playing every day. He said, I'm regardless not, of the Rizzo trade. His quote was, I'm not going down. I want to play. I deserve to play just as much as he does. Bam. And I think that's a subtle jab. It's a subtle jab, but here's my thing. As a competitor, you want to play, especially if you're playing well. And yes, you trade for Rizzo. It helps that they're in the AL. You can have both the guys play at the same time. You can have Voight DH, you can have Rizzo D, uh, play first, and then after a couple of games, flip flop him, give him some rest. Even with Gallo, you can have you can have Gallo, uh, Judge stand all in the outfield if you want to, and have Rizzo and Voight. Obviously, that'll be a little bit different because that's all power bats through the middle of the lineup, which would be scary to face. But you know, I don't think it's as I think it's more of a competitive side of him saying, you know. I, ju- I was hurt for a little bit. They traded for Rizzo, who is a top-tier uh, big leaguer, and he has been for a while. I just think won it's more – a World of- Series. Won a World Series. He's been a gold glover, silver slugger, all- perennial all-star. But I think it's more of a the competitive side of Luke Boyd, especially since he's been hitting well the last couple of weeks, since Rizzo's been out with the, the COVID protocol. So – I think that's more of a competitive side. I don't think there's going to be any drama. They're all, I mean, they're all grown adults. I, I, I feel like Rizzo's a great like clubhouse guy. So I feel like they'll, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I hear your side of it. My, my feeling behind it is I feel like that if you're Luke Voigt there, that's something you definitely don't take to the media. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's something you have a conversation with Aaron Boone about and, you know, let him know, Hey, like, I want my opportunity, and, you know, if, you know, if I suck, then I understand why you're, you know, you're playing Rizzo, but, you know, I want my opportunity before you just give it up after he was, was he AL? No, he was definitely wasn't AL MVP. We had a no, big but he led, Brady he, last year. Yeah, no, but he led the, he led all of Major League Baseball. I know it was Homers, 60 games, right? but he led all of Major League Baseball in home runs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if, I mean, go earn your playing time. They, they say it, man bat's going to play so go out there and you got to perform yeah and if i mean we can go on the other side of the spectrum rizzo and voight have earned their way to play you can't say much about gallo or earning his way to play right now if anyone out of those three you're gonna say gallo's hitting 212 get, yeah. he leads he leads he leads the mlb in strikeouts he hasn't i think he's, he's starting been, to heat up though he's hitting a couple homers you know he hit two against the white Sox the other day that gave him the, the win yeah so we'll see. I don't think – I mean, they're, they have the best record uh, since the All-Star break, I believe, uh, out of any team. Um, they're 9-1 in their last 10 games. So I think they're fine. They closed that nine. They, they, I, can't, I don't remember the exact 
games back there were of the Red Sox when they also break it, but they closed it last night. Now they're both even. Yeah, and they're, they're half half a game up. Yeah, so they're Yankees and A's are half a game up on half, uh, yeah, the Red Sox on the Red, Red Sox, Sox. right now. So we'll see how the the um, NL East drama and pennant race goes because I mean there's just yeah. so many teams that you know could get hot for a couple of weeks and that just catapults them. I mean you can look at the Reds. The Reds were That's nine games back. One the, series changes it all. The Reds were nine games back of the Padres 10 days ago. They're now two games back of the Padres in the NL pennant race right now. The fact the Padres that are, <laughs> Padres are scrambling when, you know, Padres they signed are, Jake Arrieta. Yeah, and he did not have a very good outing today. Uh, he, I think he gave up four in the first – Got pulled after Sounds a about right. It's about how he's pitched yeah. all year for Chicago. Uh, there's there's the a Chicago. reason. There's a reason why he got uh, DFA'd by the Cubs. Exactly. So yeah, we're in for a wild playoff race for sure. Oh, 100%. Um, AL is going to be incredible because there's about five, maybe five or six teams that are going to be, I feel like, right there at the end of the year. Um, and then the NL, I feel like the Padres and Dodgers, obviously, the Dodgers are going to run away with either the division or the, you know, top wild card seed. Yeah. Um, but San Diego, they definitely have the talent to uh, run away with it, but man, they are, they're desperate for pitching right now. The AL for the wild card spot, there are five teams within four games of each other right now. New York and Oakland are both in the wild card spots right now. Uh, the Red Sox are half game back. Toronto and Seattle are both four games back right now. Like I so, said, that's one series. That's that's a week. That's a week. I think, of, I think Seattle plays a couple of those teams too here. Yeah, you know, obviously Seattle, Seattle and Oakland are gonna play each other a lot coming down the stretch. And obviously New York, Boston, and Toronto are gonna play play each other twelve or fifteen times throughout the end of the season. So we'll see how that turns out. And then I mean you can, I, yeah. It's gonna be tough. We'll see. If the Yankees still get hot, I mean they're not that that many games back of the the Yankees. It looks like getting Severino back too here pretty soon. Yep. So it's going to be a it's going to be a fun uh, wild card race here. And then last last podcast we talked about how the MLB is re-upping the Field of Dreams game in 2022, and they released the two teams that are playing: Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. Absolutely shitty game. I think you could have. Got some better games in there. I understand the history. Yeah, the history. You keep the team. They're both Midwest teams. You keep it in the Midwest. So obviously, they're playing in Iowa, so there's going to be fans that want to go to that game. But I have to say, they're playing on a field with 8,000 people. You just had an ultimate Space Jam game between the Yankees and White Sox with, like, talent on the field. Yeah. And now you just went to a whole rebuilding team with, with the Cubs. And who the fuck knows who's going to be on the Reds next year? Exactly. <laughs> I It's going to be different. I mean, if they wanted to be smart, I mean, I guess they could have just done, you know. What would you end- do? What would you go? I would have gone an interleague game. Maybe have, like, the Dodgers and, like, the Red Sox in there. To, like, you can't have the Yankees again. Um, but you know, you just want like you want stars. People, when you have a game like this, you want to watch stars, and that's what I mean. The this past game, there were stars all over the field. There were all there was like five or six all stars on each team. Now you're gonna face the Cubs and Reds. The Cubs got rid of all their all stars at the trading deadline, and then the Reds. I mean, besides me, I I don't know anybody else. We love baseball. I don't know anyone else in the Reds besides Joey Votto. Yeah, there's a couple guys. Yeah, Castellanos and uh, yeah, I think Winker's been. What is it, Winker or Winkler? <laughs> I think Winkler. See, like we don't even know. <laughs> Nobody watches the Reds. Nobody That's watches why. the Reds. So I think you could have got at least some national. And this so is you na- you said Red Sox Dodgers? Who'd you? Say? I said Red Sox Dodgers would have been a good one. I mean, I would say. I mean, ever if you really want to bring up and have a million like more people watching. I mean, Dodgers Yankees would be that's the two biggest markets in the country, and it's two of the most storied franchises in baseball. So I don't know. How. Yeah. With the uh, how they did like the throwback unis and all that. Yeah, you can go think, with Brooklyn, depending, New York. 
Well, yeah. So depending on, you know, if they're good next year, I think New York Giants versus the Brooklyn Dodgers would have been cool. Exactly. Like with throwback unis that way. That would have been really um, good too. Yeah, there definitely could have been a bunch of – I mean, I think Cubs-Cardinals would have been – there's more a little bit of a rivalry there. Yeah, there's a historic rivalry. And obviously there's – at least there's some sort of star power with you bring the Cardinals and you get Arenado, you get um, – Goldschmidt, Yachty, Goldschmidt, you get some stars. I mean, you got a rebuilding Cubs team and a Reds, the Cincinnati Reds. Who, I mean, no one watches, unfortunately. I hate to say it. Sorry, Reds fans. I don't know any Reds fans. Is that the type of game Iowa deserves, though? A shitty game? You just coming after you guys, Iowa. You guys got – maybe MLB <laughs> said you guys got too good of a game. We need to you know, Neither. throw in a crappy game for you guys. I think if that's how they thought, I doubt that's how they thought. But if it is, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> that's not how you treat Iowa, you know, the Hawkeye State. I don't know. I I, I don't like the game. I, I'll be honest. I probably won't watch it next year if it comes. I, I mean, I'll throw it on. I'm not going to be in tune like I was this year. I won't I go out of my way to watch no, that. No, definitely not. So on the NFL – some guys I'm kind of, I'm not saying I'm angry or uh, I'm not, I was the right term for it. I'm not happy he got released, but I'm not upset either. So Tim Tebow got released on, I believe Monday after we were blowing up, we were blowing smoke up his ass about his, his block and how he did his job. He should have got released. I mean, he should have had the opportunity. No, he took like it. I go back to, yeah, he played football. He's now he's trying a new position. I said the same thing to people when they were like, "Oh, Tebow signed with the Mets." They're just trying to get money for jersey sales, um, and he's just going to be a, a marketing guy for him for a couple weeks, bring the jersey sales up, and then you know, I mean, Tebow did play Double A baseball for a while, which is farther than me and you ever went. But I think the reason why he went to double A is because he was Tim Tebow. He may have took a couple spots away from other guys for a couple years. So that's the that's the line that I, I felt like when he was playing baseball. And that's kind of how football players that I know, that's how they felt when he came back in after eight years. Got a got a roster, not a roster spot, but a chance to try and make the roster on NFL team. When there's I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of other college football players that would die at the chance to just be given a chance to be uh, on a roster in in camp uh, for an NFL team. And I'm sure they probably could have played a played better than Tebow did. Yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, we pulled the trigger on the Tebow one for one block. Um, He had a play right after that. Absolutely. Just whiff the dude. Yeah. I didn't see that Um, till after we were done recording. So Oof. Yeah. 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 Tebow uh, definitely deserves the release. Um, yeah. I wish they could have got, you know, there's a tight end coming out of college that probably, you know, yeah. sitting at home that could have, who knows, maybe turned into an all pro. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you can look at Darren Waller. Darren Waller was a, a guy that was on our practice, on a, on a practice call with the Ravens for three years and then got picked up by the Raiders. And now look at him. He's, arguably top three tight end in the in the NFL. Absolutely top three, yeah. Number so, three. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm going to say arguably I'm not going to – those – George Kittle, Darren Waller, um, I think those two are kind of an interchangeable. Kelsey obviously is the cream of the crop. And then your, your, your hat right there, the little Bears hat you got going. The Bears. Fields clocks the third fastest time on the field in week one, which I guess, yes, he's a quarterback and it's fast. Not so I was watching play. that play, dude. I swear, man, he just, it didn't even look like he reached tops. He was just gliding through the defense, yeah. like just swiveled his way, just right to the sideline, got out of bounds. That's what I like to see. He clocked in at 20.39 miles an hour. Uh, Who are the other four? I think wide receivers and running backs, right? Uh, three receivers and a running back: Quez Watkins, KJ Hallmer, 
uh, Ramon Stevenson and Trent Shearfield. Tell you this, I want week two, I want Fields to come out. Week one, let Andy Dalton go out there, get hammered by Aaron Donald and the Rams, yeah. and bring in Fields week two ready to go, get us to the playoffs. And who knows after that? We got a yeah. great defense. Yeah, 100%. And you know how we had our bet with the, uh, the Raiders-Bears, you know, 200 or 100 a game for the game on October 9th and then 100 for the end of season finish. The Raiders recently just announced that everyone that has, that is able to go to the game is that has to be vaccinated. I'm not going to talk about the vaccination thing. All I'm saying is the ticket prices dropped. Did they? They dropped. I looked at that game and when we talked about it, Bears game. The Bears game, the average ticket price was around $800. I looked at the average ticket price for the same game yesterday, and it was around $650. Uh, but you can find like a second deck ticket for $200. Bucks. Dude, um, I will sit at the top of the stadium and let the uh, <laughs> blood just gush out of my nose. Yeah, I just want to go I can in the smell the sweat off Justin Fields' visor when he's scoring like three tutties <laughs> off you guys. Uh, stop it. But yeah, that's just a, a little snippet about, you know, Bears Raiders are our, uh, our bet that we got going. Some other news Deshaun Watson is being investigated by the FBI for his sexual assault allegations. Uh, I don't know what's going to come of it. This is the first time I've I've heard of the sexual assault allegations since the, they came out months ago. It's kind of been flown on the radar for the last couple of months. And then finally now um, we hear some, something about it. So we'll see what the FBI finds. I don't know. There hasn't been any, I don't know if there's any charges been filed. I've, I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah. But, I don't have a whole lot of information on it. Um, he's at practice. They're still letting him go out there. I'm not sure if he's doing anything. I know he, I saw something he's playing uh, practice squad safety. Yeah, he's not um, even so uh, – That would be incredible. I, I want to see some video on that. I hope there's some video out there. I yeah. Haven't, I haven't even looked into that. But it's yeah. – yeah, it's, I'm, I don't want to dig, you know, too deep into it. I want to see how it plays out before I give my detail on it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. And then uh, – the biggest and strongest wide receiver in the NFL is dicing up Jalen Ramsey today. Hunter Renfro. I saw about seven or eight tweets saying they were the Raiders and the Rams had a joint practice today. And there were tweets saying Renfro has burned Jalen Ramsey around four or five times today. And it just makes me feel good that the Raiders offense is still going to be the level it was last year. It was a top 10 offense in the NFL last year. I think they're going to be another top 10 offense this year. It's just another, you know, it, it makes me feel uh, like bring some confidence back going into this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Renfro guy. Definitely not a Derek Carr guy. I know um, not everyone is. I honestly think you're better off throwing Mariota back there. But that's a different, that's a different story. Brent, I just saw a picture of Renfro, and he. If you saw Renfro at a bar, do you think you can go? I could take him. I could guard him. Not knowing him at all, and him saying, "Oh, I play receiver." Do you think you can go up to him? And go, I can cover you. Yes. I know. I could. T- I think I would too. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and then he just break our ankles. It'd be hilarious. Uh, a little Hard Knocks recap if anyone watch Hard well, Knocks. I got one thing on the Raiders. What I feel like I haven't heard one thing about freaking Henry Rugg since you guys drafted him. Is he like he's, what is, what, he's is figuring he playing? out? He's playing. He'll be he'll be or is he just a bust? No, he's not a bust. Okay. I, I think we the Raiders drafted him strictly to be a guy to extend the defense, you know, just to space it out. Um, cause I never really had somebody like that before last year, 
And he obviously didn't – he didn't understand the playbook relatively well. It helped. They still were able to stretch the defense out a little bit because Nelson Aguilar decided to have the season of his career last year with the Raiders. Um, yeah, who's he with? This he, signed, he signed with the Patriots. Yeah. So I think that helped. I, that helps the offense. And I think from what I've been hearing that he, he's come back uh, stronger, faster, understanding the playbook. Um, so I think he can be a good two. Um, Who's the one? I, from what I'm hearing, it's Brian Edwards. He got hurt last year. Um, he's a bigger, more possessive, like a possession type of receiver out of South Carolina. He was a rookie last year in the third round. Um, he got hurt after game, like I think hurt game three, didn't play much th- uh, the rest of the year, but they I've seen some stuff where it's, they've been speaking pretty highly about him. I mean, he's a big dude. He's like six, four, like two twenty five. Yeah. He won't, he won't run by you, but he'll, he'll make the catches and he'll, he'll get his way into uh he'll box you out for those catches. So that's like, uh, it's like Allen Robinson. Yeah. Contested he's a catch yeah. guy, man. Yeah. I love so, that. I mean, if, if everyone's talking about how, you know, that Brian Edwards is going to be that type of receiver and then you also throw in uh, a guy that can take the top off the defense and then you have the second best tight end in the NFL. And then you also talk about how you brought in a, a pretty good skilled receiving running back that could also play in a, in a slot besides Renfro or another third down back in Kenyon Drake with a Josh Jacobs. That's a, that's a pretty good offense. As long as their offensive line is at least somewhat up to par as it was last year. The biggest question with the Raiders is going to be their defense and how Gus Bradley gets all those young defensive backs this year. Cause everyone is either, Rookie or second second year guys, so we'll figure that out. Yeah, that's gonna be tough in that division with uh, some young DBs because that um, is gonna be throwing the yeah, football. It's gonna be throwing the football. They got they added some pass rushers in uh, um, Ngakwe, and you know you got Max Crosby on the other side, and then you had Gerald McCoy, who I know is a veteran, but he can be some veteran presence on that defensive the defensive tackles. Um, hopefully, the linebackers can live up to how it was last year. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not going to say it. I just need I would just hope the Raiders are an average defense. I hope they rank in between. I'm not asking them to be a top 10 defense. I want them to be anywhere between 13 to 20. So for the fans out there, and I want Aaron to, you can get behind this. I called that Khalil Mack trade. We were together. We lived together in Vermont that year. Was that 2018? Yes. I spoke that into existence. The Khalil Mack trade? Yeah. And uh, you know what's funny is I think we were talking about the Khalil Mack trade. Did we we win that trade? I think we did. I don't know. We got Josh Jacobs out of it. Uh, I don't think it was Josh Jacobs. You guys didn't get get the fourth pick from us because we made the playoffs. No, yeah, I know. We didn't take Josh Jacobs in the fourth. We took Cleveland Farrell. We took Josh Jacobs with the, like the well, twenty second, with like the twenty something pick. Here we go. Reviewing every pick. Dang, but we yeah, Khalil Mack the, and Cole Komet from that. The uh, that trade we were talking about it uh, with our host family, our host dad. And obviously our host dad uh, in Vermont that year is also a Raiders fan. So we were talking about that um, for a while and obviously me and me and our host dad were not liking it. Uh, so the, with the Bears trade. Jacobs. So yeah, after tears, the Bears sent three first round picks um, to the Raiders and the Bears got Khalil Mack. The Raiders ended up grabbing, they originally used Josh Jacobs 2019 and then they got cornerback Damon Arnett in 2020 and then they also use a third round pick to get Brian Edwards and then they turned their fourth round pick into tight end Foster Moreau who was I've heard there's been some stuff out about Foster Moreau that he may have a, a good season um, being a, a second tier type of uh, more of a blocking tight end but you know it could be he's he's more of a um, a goal line type tight end you know could squirt out to the the flat or in the corner and can catch a couple of passes. So did I think the bears won the trade? 
I don't know. We'll see how Josh Jacobs and these other players turn out. Um, if they're if we just have one of those guys, if a Josh Jacobs can turn out to be a superstar, which it looks like he's going to be with the Khalil Max. I don't know if he's going to be as big a superstar as Khalil Mack, but Josh Jacobs we got Colt Komet out of it too. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. He's going to be solid. Yeah, we'll see how those those guys end up. Did I say it's a win? Yeah, it was no. just it was great, man. But it's definitely just, not a lot. Yeah, I I just love that, and I think it was in once we got back home, it officially happened. So I just texted you guys and pretty much just said, you know, gave you the good old degeneration X suck it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. I know. 100%. And the little hard knocks recap last night. Uh, I watched it. It was okay. I mean, they had a very dramatic uh, type of ending to dramatic type of ending to uh, a preseason game. Uh, They made it seem like it was Friday Night Lights state championship type of uh, a game. Um, There was a nice story with the is the Cowboys. Yeah, it is the Cowboys. They had a nice story with the the defensive end that was from Ivory Coast and his whole his, how his mom um, immigrated here when they were young or was a refugee when they were, he was young and then picked up football uh, in junior high. I don't think he's going to make the team. He's a small, small defensive end. I think they said he was 6'4", 225. It's not a very big defensive end in the NFL. Um, Sounds like but, a linebacker size. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. All I have to say is I don't know how the Cowboys' defense and what how they're going to be, but I'm going to tell you this. Michael Pearsons is going to be an absolute beast. Absolute, Michael Parsons? Michael Parsons, I mean. He is going to be a beast. That dude flies around the field. He seen every video. It, I know it's they make it – they edit it to make it seem like he's all over, always well, he's on the He's a top ten pick, right? It's a top ten pick. Yeah, he should be a beast. Yeah, but he – He's a dude that I think will um, may have a rookie of the year type of campaign. Um, so we'll see. I don't know if Hard Knocks has been great. I mean, I as a Raider fan, obviously the Raiders uh, 2019 Hard Knocks was great because I love watching them. But just like drama and other stuff going on, obviously the Browns was amazing with the Hugh Jackson and Baker and those guys and then uh there's a couple other ones before that but uh, they we'll sucked see. up this year they should have done the jaguars dude we could have had some tebow dude tebow getting cut tebow getting cut oh Urban. man that been some great so yeah been some great footage we'll see we'll see how it ends i mean yeah they got a couple more episodes until uh this week. i can't get into it man i hate the cowboys yep uh, hey you're not the only one so yeah, it'll be it'll be okay. It's officially playoff time in the PGA. We got the first round of uh, the uh, Northern Trust at Liberty National in New Jersey. Um, Great venue. So if people don't know about the PGA, the FedEx Cup playoffs, there's a there's FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup rankings based on how you play. Uh, in every tournament and you get a points throughout the year you win a major you obviously get a lot more points if you than if you make the cut um, you win a tournament you make a lot of points you move up in the standings and they rank them one through I think 250 um, but just to get into this tournament you got to be the first round you have to be in the uh, the top one 125 players so and then after this week as long as you make the cut and you're uh 70th in the FedEx Cup standings, you will move on to next week. And then the week after that is the tour championship. You have to be running top three or top 30. And then those guys will compete for the FedEx Cup, uh, FedEx Cup winner. And I, I believe we were talking about it earlier at the start of the podcast. You said it's gonna it's 15 million for the winner. I believe so. Yeah. If you yeah, whoever uh wins the FedEx Cup, yeah, I think it's a 15 million dollar purse. Yep, it's $15 million purse, $60 million in bonuses up for grabs at Eastlake. Um, and this year they have the, I uh, can't remember the correct term for it, but it's like social media. Uh, interactions with a, a golfer. And if you have the most interactions in the PGA Tour, 
as a professional golfer, you'll get a $25 million check for that as well. So that's probably why some of you guys have seen, you know, a lot of uh, players, you know, getting more and more vocal on social media. Um, but yeah, this is the first week of the, the playoffs. It's since the major season's over, this is all we got to look forward to this and the Ryder cup and the Ryder cup doesn't happen for another month and a half. So this is a, this is a fun time coming down to the wire, man. There's, there's some guys on the bubble. Um, oh yeah. Bubba's outside. Adam Scott's outside. UNLV guy. We need to get him in Adam Scott. We need to see a, a top five out of here this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Bubba Watsonson at 71. Uh, yeah, Ian Bubba's Pol- right there. He can, he can definitely. Adam Scott's at 82. Uh, some other notables that have been around for a while. Uh, Gary Woodland, U.S. Open winner, is down all the way at 114. He's going to have to play extremely well. Um, Matt Kuchar at 120. Uh, Harold Varner the third, he's right there. Um, Ian Poulter at 80 or 79. Harry Higgs at 80. So there's some guys that are pretty notable that um, aren't in for next week right now, and they gotta they got to keep playing well. So we'll see how that goes. And then there's also some dudes right on the edge that if they don't play well, they could get knocked out. Shane Lowry. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Matthew yeah. Wolf, Matt Frazier. Gooch. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Champ. Yeah, some of those guys, yeah, they got to play well. So we'll see Absolutely. how this weekend goes. Is, Wolf, is Matt Wolf playing? Um, I, I think so. I believe so. He's ranked 59. So he should be in. Um, I mean, going into this weekend, obviously the favorite right now is John Rom. Yeah, I feel like every tournament he's a favorite. So let's just go to Northern Trust odds right now. I'm just gonna read off the, the first 10. Um, John Rom is 10 to 1 with as a favorite. Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, both 16 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 18 to 1. Xander Shoffley and Brooks Kepka are 20 to 1. Rory's 22. Bryson and DeSham- uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas are both 25. You can pick any of those guys as guys that could possibly win that tournament, but I'm more looking towards guys towards, uh, you know, 30 to 50, 50 to one odds as guys that I think could get in the top 10. Um, That's what I'm thinking as well. I'm so I think one of the guys that I think could have a good, uh, a good weekend getting the top 10 um, is Sam Burns. I feel like that guy's played well all year. He's had a cup. I think he's had one win a bunch of t- uh, T2s and top 10. So we'll see how that goes for those guys. Yeah, he's a name, he's a name that's been, uh, like, you know, top of the leaderboards on a lot of uh, events this year. Yeah, Sam uh, Sam Burns is ranked 10th right now. So he's he's already into Eastlake if he keeps playing like how he's playing. Absolutely. I think uh, I'm going to roll with Corey Connors, dude, man. He's been – He's been playing a heck of a season on the tour. Yep. He's at 28. Um, so I would look at him um, possibly top 10. I know he's 55 to one um, to win. So I'm sure he's still got pretty good odds for top 10. Yep. Obviously, if you go with any of those top 10 guys, um, you know, you got a good shot with them being in the top 10. But I like to, uh, you know, boost our odds a little bit and hopefully we can get uh, some of these guys in there for the Sterniacs out there. Yep. Um, but yeah, with those guys being top ten, you got a you got a winner for me. Anybody you have your eyes on that you think is going to pull it out this weekend in New Jersey? I think this it might be a little controversial. I think this guy will finally get a win under his belt after so many second place finishes this year. I think Louis Ustahusen will finally get his first win on the tour. Um, which I, I'm going to guess and say if he wins it, it might catapult him to one or two. But he's at eight. He's at eight right now, so he'll get in Eastlake. But I would just like to finally see him, you know, win a tournament. I feel like every time I watch him on, t- on tour, it's like this guy is in second for a major and just has a couple of blow-up holes towards the, on the back nine. And then next thing you know, he's T2, T3, can't quite get it done. So I think he, I think he, this could be a good uh, tournament for him to get it done. Um, we'll see how it goes. Nice. I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Mister Consistent, and we got 35 to one odds on this. Paul Casey, that's yeah. who I'm going to win the Northern Trust. Man's most consistent guy from freaking green to T box or uh, T box to green. Just yeah. 
stripes his irons. Um, and I think he's also due for a big win. So I would either, yeah, I'm going to go Paul Casey. I think Brooks is going to play super well too, but obviously, you know, his odds aren't, you know, as favorable. Yeah. He's a uh, Brooks is at 20 to one. He's, he's had uh, five of the last six tournaments he's played in. Um, I know it hasn't been many with his knee struggles, uh, but he's, he's five of the last six tournaments. He's pl- uh, had a top 10. So he's definitely played well uh, throughout this year. So we'll see how that goes. I've First, got, um, are you good with golf? Yep. I've got an interesting thing I think we missed on baseball. What about uh, oh, yeah. Mr. Steve Cohen's tweet? Yeah, we'll end with we'll end with you know the owner of the Mets saying something stupid. <laughs> uh, Cohen, I feel like it's stupid. I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead and read the tweet. Do we have the tweet? Yep, I got it right here. Uh, he, for you guys who don't know Steve, who Steve Cohen is, he is the owner of the New York Mets, a billionaire Microsoft guy, tech guy, uh, bought the team for an absurd amount of money this year. And I feel like he's the only owner in baseball that tweets regularly. He tweets a lot. He does. At this morning, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pull it up. At 6:09 a.m. this morning, the Mets owner tweets: "It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie." Boom! Roasted. <laughs> so if you were a hitter in that organ, you, you, let's just say you're—I mean, yes—they're not playing well. You told me they're the number 24th ranked overall offense in baseball this year. They're not playing well. They're struggling. They have a couple losses. How would you as a hitter feel seeing that tweet going in the clubhouse the next day for a day game? Um, well, I'd have a couple different mixed emotions. Am I playing well at the time? Um, are any Mets players playing well? Has Baez been playing well since? Baez is not doing, not doing too hot right now. Um, yeah, man, I would, uh, one of my old hitting coaches back in the day, he said, if you ever got into something, he said, you take a dirt dip, man, take some dirt from like the infield, yeah, there you go. toss it in your lip. But, um, for these Mets guys, man, who knows? I, I love it. I love that Steve Cohen's tweeting at him. Um, cause man, he's freaking paying them all. Why not? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? He wants them to be right there. He's definitely invested. You know what I mean? He went and got Baez. Um, is that, is that a coaching thing? I don't or, think it's I know they coach. already, they already fired one hitting coach, right? Was it Chili Davis? Yeah. I don't, I think it's difficult to say it's a, a hitting coach thing. I'm just going to name off some of the, um, the big names. Peter Alonso's hitting 251 with 26 homers. Lindor is hitting horrendous with 228. With a 228 clip right now, Dominic Smith's hitting 250. Um, Javi Baez is hitting 171. And they're about to lose to Grom for the year. And yeah, we saw that that tweet that or uh, that news came out that they're thinking about shutting him down for the end of the year. Um, I I do I think it's a hitting coach problem. No, I think it just happens to be that time of year when guys slump. And the teams just got unlucky that their best players are all something at the same time. Baseball is such a long season that you're going to have ups and uh, ups and downs, and players definitely slump throughout the season. It just it just seems like the Mets, you know, Alonzo, Lindor, Baez comes over, Pilar, Conforto, they're all just slumping at the same time. Yeah, did you see that interview with Pete Alonzo? Um, like a week back or so when he was just talking about like, you know, the Mets fans being supportive for him and stuff like that. No, I did not. Oh my gosh, dude. The guy sounded like a freaking cotton ball. Oh, Talk no. about softer than Charmin. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't have faith in the Mets. Um, I don't either. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, 
see what that happened. I, I do like the owner tweeting about him, though. I think I think baseball needs more of that. If I was an owner of a baseball team, my team was sucking, man. I'd be all over them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the Mets are currently playing the Giants right now. Uh, they're tied 1-1 in the bottom of the ninth, and the Giants are up. Um, but Giants we'll see. Gross. We'll see how uh, the the – the Mets do if if they do shut down Degrom, I, I I if they shut down Degrom, I think the Mets organization kind of just threw the white is just waving the white flag on the season if they decide to shut down their Cy Young winner. Um, I, I mean they they're not they're under a game under five hundred right now, um, so if they decide to shut him down for the season, I feel like they're just kind of waving the white flag on the year the rest of the year. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Watch the Northern Trust. Get behind us on those bets. Get behind the picks. I picked Sam Burns to get a top 10. Paul Casey gets a top 10. Um, I have Louie winning it. So we'll see how the weekend goes. All right. See you, Sterniacs.